0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional from Singapore, Natalia Rachel. Natalia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Uh, Natalia is an author and a keynote speaker. She's the founder of Illuma Health and she's an author of a book titled, Why Am I Like This? So Natalia, let's speak about Illuma Health. Tell me about this venture and what was your motivation to start it?
1: Illuma Health's mission is to create help create a trauma-informed world Mm -hmm. and repair and revitalize the way we look after ourselves and each other. Mm -hmm. We've got three pillars to our organization. One is we have a team of therapists who are all trauma-informed and trained by me. Mm -hmm. We also offer affordable and free online education to help people understand Mm -hmm. the concepts of trauma and respectful relating. And then we also have a corporate element to the business where we offer professional development, trainings that really help us increase our sense of empathy and compassion and learn to relate in ways that heal rather than harm. This business actually came off the back of me working in the field for quite a long time and realizing there was a huge demand uh, for support around trauma and also respectful relating mm. um, there was a, a a really big demand for it so before i started lima health i was running a group of health clinics in singapore Mm -hmm. And we were known for working with this very specific aspect. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the pandemic, not only was the line out the door, um, but we also started getting calls from many organizations saying, Mm -hmm. hey, can you come and talk and teach on these topics, mental health, burnout, grief, Mm -hmm. belonging. And so I realized the world is ready and it's time to really stand up and focus on this topic that the world really needs right
0: now. Fascinating. Fascinating. And you know, when I was reading about you, you talk about mental and relational health. Help me understand this phrase along with an example, if possible.
1: Sure. You know, I believe that our mental health and our relational health go together, we Mm -hmm. can't separate them. So the biggest predictor of our well-being is in fact, the quality of our relationships. Mm -hmm. And I believe we need to learn to harness the power of relationships for healing. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we weren't necessarily taught. And I believe that it has become a great deficit for so Mm -hmm. many of us.
0: Fascinating. So, you know, you spoke a little bit about uh, the impact the pandemic has had. Uh, What are some of the mental health challenges being faced in the world, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic?
1: I think we can split this into three categories. First of all, We have had a huge mental health issue for a couple of generations now. We just haven't been talking about it. And I believe that this is the gift or the silver lining of the the pandemic is that we are finally looking at it and beginning to have conversations. But I believe it's going to take a couple of generations to repair. There are three main issues that I see. Uh, Mm. One is that we need to consider context and the modern world that Mm -hmm. we are in. Uh, that clearly asks us to live beyond our capacity and to lose authenticity and complexity. So that's one really big issue. Yeah, You know, a couple of generations ago, maybe three, four generations ago, the world looked very different. Mm. And there's also an element here in our modern world that connects to commerce. Mm -hmm. Um, Another issue that I see is that we tend towards labels and polarity. Correct. So it's either I'm well, or I'm unwell, I'm mm-hmm. happy, or I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And here are these diagnoses. And because we tend to exist that way, we simplify our experiences, mm. it doesn't allow us to be complex and nuanced. Uh, and we end up putting ourselves and everybody else in boxes, and we mm-hmm. get stuck there.
0: Correct.
1: Um, and then the third issue that I see, and the one that is truly our focus with Illumina Health is origins mm-hmm. of trauma. Mm-hmm. So we're very quick to give these labels of mm. mental health mm. um, when really a lot of our experiences of mental health issues that do not resolve with a little bit of mainstream support and self care yeah. actually mm. have origins of unresolved trauma. Mm. So, in order to truly heal, we need to look at the root. And mm. trauma is contextual, systemic, and it travels through relationships, mm. communities, and cultures.
0: Fascinating, fascinating, and. Uh, when you talk to people and when you talk when organizations call you, what are some of the symptoms to look out for to understand that an individual needs some kind of support?
1: I think that's really an interesting question because how long do you wait?
0: Hmm.
1: We're used to waiting until our bodies are screaming at us and our mind is going crazy or our relationships are falling apart. Mm. And usually, sadly, that's when I'll get called in. Mm. I'm in crisis. Mm. Um, So some of the things that might be showing up is extreme fatigue Mm. and exhaustion, Mm. um, symptoms in the body. So either the body might be slowing down. So we might be having issues with not enough energy. We might have gut issues. We might start to present with thyroid issues or everything might be going much too quickly in overdrive. So there mm-hmm. might be inflammation, insomnia, anxiety. Mm. Uh, some people get rashes on their skin. So we show it very physically, mm. um, emotionally, People either will veer towards extreme anxiety, or at the other end of this spectrum, they might feel depressed and mm-hmm. apathetic. So mm-hmm. these are early warning signs. Mm-hmm. And then relationally is the biggest piece. So usually when an organisation calls me, in, it's because all of these experiences are actually affecting mm-hmm. the way people show up and the way they relate within mm-hmm. within a team. Um, awesome. So one of the words that we commonly hear is toxic. Mm-hmm. So. When we are existing in survival and we're beyond our threshold or we've got this trauma brewing inside us, it's pretty impossible to relate in ways that are respectful and dynamic and harmonic. Mm. Um, And so this is a very big indicator aside from all of the physical, emotional stuff, Mm. is that something's not right in the team. There's a lack of respect. People are getting triggered. Mm. Um, People are feeling unheard or oppressed or just generally a sense of discontent. Mm.
0: Hmm. And, you know, the world uh, is now suddenly talking much more about depression. Uh, How is depression uh, similar or different from some of the other mental health challenges people are facing?
1: Okay, well, I'm not a clinical psychologist, so I cannot really speak speak so deeply to Mm -hmm. that in terms of a clinical sense. Uh, But when we are depressed, it's like we don't want to go, <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to move forward, there's no inspiration, there's no mm. impulse. Mm. However, when we feel that way, there's often a very good reason for that mm. um, and it may have been that we have been going far beyond our capacity for a very long time mm. and many of us exist like that and so the moment we stop or slow down, all of a sudden it's like our body catches up to us. And this is something that has really happened to a lot of people through and beyond the pandemic. It mm-hmm. it forced this stop and this slowing. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the energy that we were expelling and all the ways that we were pushing ourselves too far were gone. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, our bodies and our beings are just going into this depressive state. But I actually believe that that is something that needs to happen in terms of, it's like a pit stop or a recalibration where we can then begin to build experiences internally and relationally and culturally, Mm. where we can start to live in a healthier way.
0: Very interesting. You know, my other question, and I've spoken to many people, and I've often wondered, you know, we are happy to talk about our heart, which is an organ, we're happy to speak about our eyes and our mouth and our nose and whatever else, which are all organs. But the brain, which is also an organ of our body, we are not willing to talk about the problems our brain can be facing. My question to you, Natalia, is why is there still a stigma attached to talking about mental health?
1: I think it's beginning to change slowly. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing it actually in some cultures and countries Mm -hmm. a little more quickly than others. Mm -hmm. But most of us hold a lot of shame Mm -hmm. around not being perfect and successful and amazing. The world that has been created over Mm. recent generation asks us to perform and succeed and be our best selves and reach for the stars. And so when we're anything other than that, it triggers this sense of shame. So we tend to hide it. Mm. And this is not new. It's Mm. just that living like this in this very, I guess, crafted or performative way Mm -hmm. is not authentic and it is not sustainable. Mm. And so that sustainability is a really important word. We're no longer able to sustain the world we created, mm. um, so it's forcing us to sit with this shame um, that comes with this world mm. and and start to process. I believe that over the next ten years or so, there won't be a stigma anymore.
0: Well said. Well said. My next question to you is uh, that based on all the work that you are doing, do you see um, Mental health challenges across age groups, or do you see older people getting more impacted, or the millennials or the Gen Zs getting impacted?
1: I think it's very different. Something that is very common right now mm-hmm. is that many people are having this existential crisis experience of mm-hmm. what life do I want, what version of myself do I want to create, mm-hmm. uh, and depending on where we are in our journey of life, that's going to be very, very different. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you talk about somebody that's, say, in their 40s and 50s and has built this career that's Mm -hmm. based on hustle, Mm -hmm. there's this inquiry of, well, what happens when I don't do that? And Mm -hmm. it's really incredibly confronting. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you look at more millennials and Gen Z, they're actually much better at choosing themselves uh, and being authentic and setting boundaries. But it comes at a cost Mm. uh, because when we do choose ourselves and create the life that we want, Mm. perhaps the people in our lives, whether that's at work or at home, don't necessarily understand or welcome that. Mm. And that can bring up feelings of being rejected Mm -hmm. um, and and a lot of grief and anger, actually. So, yeah, I think it's different depending on where you are in the cycle of life.
0: Mm. Interesting. And is there a difference in uh, how mental well-being is tackled between men and women?
1: I wish there wasn't, but I think that yes, there is. Mm-hmm. You know, and and this comes to the conversations of gender roles, which is another really big conversation out, out in the world right now,
0: Correct.
1: because of societal expectations put on both men and women to be a certain way and fulfill a certain role, of course, the way we experience the way we suppress, and then the way we react mm. is going to be very different. And right now, what I see is that both genders are trying to reclaim some sense of complexity, mm. uh, rather than being boxed into the way we're told to be.
0: Very interesting. You know, And I was speaking to some other guest and uh, she is an expert in this area also. She's saying that very often we hear men or young boys being told by parents behave like a man, you know, and that seems to um, be interpreted as don't talk about your challenges. I'd love to get your perspective.
1: This this is very common for our generation, Um, my generation, you know, growing up, it was very common for, for boys to be told be strong, Mm. you know, be a man, be a big boy. Mm. Um, And so, of course, that is interpreted as, well, I better not show my softer side, my my emotional side. But I don't believe that that is happening for my children's generation, certainly not in my home and certainly Mm. not in the homes of of the people in my circles. Mm -hmm. So I have a son, he is nearly eight Mm -hmm. and he's very connected to his emotions. He's also able to set boundaries and be silly and and just a complex human. Mm. So I think that the issue of men being told not to be emotional and complex, I believe that it will start to resolve through the next generation. And this is how we heal intergenerational trauma.
0: Mm. Fascinating. So one more question before I move to your book, Uh, tell me a little bit about the programs you run.
1: Sure. So we run two different kinds of programs. One is we have online very affordable and some free programs that really can help anybody begin to understand how trauma shows up inside us Mm -hmm. or around us, Mm -hmm. or how to begin to engage in ways that support other people Mm -hmm. to heal. So that's a really big focus. Mm -hmm. Then we do a lot of programs through corporate channels. Mm -hmm. Right now, our signature program is called trauma informed human. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I believe that if we are dealing with people which all of us are, Mm -hmm. it's really important that we become trauma informed, we're living in a really traumatized world. Mm -hmm. So this program is about basically creating empathy with more data points. Mm -hmm. So the more we understand ourselves and other people, and the more we understand relational dynamics, Mm -hmm. we can begin to look after ourselves, we can begin to set healthy boundaries, and we can begin to engage with a lot more compassion. And this is what the world needs right now.
0: Fantastic. What a great response. Thank you. So Natalia, let's talk about your book. Um, Why am I like this? Uh, Before I ask you the book, is it available on Amazon?
1: It will be available on Amazon. On the 23rd of August. So next week is launch okay, week. So right it's, now, it's uh, only on my website, rachel.com But next week, it'll be on Amazon.
0: Wonderful. So I'm going to check it out. I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to check out your book after the 23rd of August on Amazon or go to your website. But tell me a little bit about this book and what was your motivation to write it?
1: Sure. Well, I'm going to show you a copy. I just got my, my copies last week. So wonderful. this is my beautiful cover.
0: And I see it's been published by Penguin. Yes. My my Absolutely. first book was done by Penguin. Really? And yes. so now
1: we're author buddies.
0: <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, so the book is called Why Am I Like This? Mm. And this is the question I used to ask myself every day. So I grew up in a lot of trauma and oppression. Um, and I had a pretty incredible story of growing up in a lot of trauma, and then going on to have mental health misdiagnosis, Mm -hmm. and then a physical illness that spanned over a decade. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to heal the whole time, and looking everywhere, and I couldn't figure it out. And so this was the question, like, why am I like this? What is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same question that most people that have Mm -hmm. unresolved trauma ask themselves. So there's this sense of shame. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is the title of the book. And Mm -hmm. the book shares 40 years of lived experience as a patient turned therapist. So I always talk about it's like I'm looking through a kaleidoscope. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So each chapter blends conceptual sharing and teaching with a piece of my personal story where I lived and learned, Mm -hmm. as well as self-inquiry questions and a somatic, a body-based meditation so people can really start to process and do their own healing work at Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a pretty personal book, um, but I hope that it provides a map for deeper and complex healing, Mm -hmm. uh, for the millions of people that are living with unresolved trauma, and really don't know where to start.
0: Mm -hmm. You also, I mean, I read a small review, uh, but you also talk of some tools that that you have recommended or developed to thrive in an endemic world. Can you share some of these with us?
1: Sure. I mean, the most important Thing that we need is self-compassion okay.
0: um,
1: so we need to shift from shame to self-compassion again and again and again mm. um, another really important thing that we need to learn is to understand the language of our nervous system so our nervous system is the first place of our experience mm. and it actually dictates the rest of our experience mm. so beginning to understand it and master it is essential for becoming empowered and becoming creators of our experience. Uh, So that's a really important one. And the first question we can ask to start to tune into our nervous system Mm -hmm. is, am I experiencing safety or am I experiencing threat? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is threat, is it perceived inside me Mm -hmm. or is something difficult going on? So Mm -hmm. this question can be very helpful for helping us begin to calibrate our Mm -hmm. experience in the present.
0: Wow. And uh, when you speak about self-compassion, can you also give me one example of how one can handle self-compassion?
1: So we tend to be very hard on ourselves, Mm. and we often don't talk very nicely. Mm. I'm not good enough, I need to do better, you know, I shouldn't rest, I should rush forward. Mm. And when we shift into self-compassion, we're often catching that voice that is Mm. pretty harsh Mm. and shaming. And we're telling ourselves, actually, the way I am now in this moment is okay, Mm. even if I haven't accomplished my goals, Mm. even if I'm feeling depressed today, you know, even if I'm not as far along as the people around me, Mm. um, it's okay. And when we bring this very self-compassionate I guess, lens or space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is when healing can actually happen. When we are pushing ourselves and shaming ourselves, we actually go further away from healing and further into self
0: abandonment. Mm. Fascinating. And Natalie, my last question to you, and this is for the many, many people who will listen to us. What would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your amazing journey and uh, from our conversation?
1: The first one is, if you are struggling and wondering, why am I like this? What's wrong with me? It's important to know that there's nothing wrong with you. And in the context of trauma, Mm. you make perfect sense. Yeah. The second thing would be, everything comes back to boundaries, our experience of well being and aliveness and growth will always begin with a boundary, Mm. a line in the sand. So it's really helpful for us to start to explore all the places where our boundaries are or have been lacking Mm -hmm. and see what it's like to begin to put them in place. And this is an epic lifelong journey. Mm. Mm. Um, And the third thing would be that, healing and growth is mm-hmm. such a complex and nonlinear process. It mm-hmm. is not a single destination. Mm-hmm. And once we take away the outcome orientation um, from our focus, that's where the magic begins to happen. Trust the process.
0: Fascinating. And Natalia, on that note, uh, and your amazing pieces of uh, your lessons, there is nothing wrong with you, everything comes back to the boundary and healing is a nonlinear process. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about uh, mental health, about all the work that you are doing. Uh, Thank you for talking to me about your book and all the very best for its launch.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom